Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot Z-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 134 in Edmonton. Coming up uh, at uh, 2 o'clock today. On the 6.30 chat afternoons, uh, the Edmonton Eskimos have removed Christian Jones from their team roster following a tweet that the player uh, sent out uh, Saturday evening. Um, Alberta NDP MLA and LGBTQ issues and status of women critic Janice Irwin is going to join Jalen Nye after the uh, 2 o'clock news to discuss uh, this. Um, I know Bill Burr a number of years ago, the comedian, uh, sort of broached the topic of when comments get made uh, on, on things like this, referring to the guy from Duck Dynasty. Uh, Christian Jones, by the way, was a star return man for Alabama, a state which in 1968 had George Wallace run as a segregationist. That's right. Uh, George Wallace was a longtime governor uh, in Alabama, and he ran as a segregationist in the 68 uh, election. Was, I believe it was the largest third-party uh, support he carried at, at least three or four states in 1960. That was the year that, you know, many of you would remember this. Robert F. Kennedy uh, was assassinated in uh, Los Angeles. A lot of people felt he would have actually been the Democratic uh, nomination. Uh, and, of course, Richard Nixon, a Republican, won the 68 election. So uh, let's just say Robert F. Kennedy was years ahead of his time. Other parts of the U.S. were years behind the time at that time. But uh, more on that coming up with uh, Jalen Nye just after 2 o'clock. Royal Pizza, pizza passed and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 50 years. And now Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Uh, we're going to hit on about six different topics with Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. Reed, I'd like to say I missed you, but I, I don't like lying on the air. <laughs> well, we've talked enough that at least we've kept our, our relationship going. So that's that's great, yeah. Bob. It's always good to have you on the show, or to be on your show. And obviously, you've been, you've been coming on mine two or three times a month. So I'm glad we've had yeah. those talks. Hey, man, we're, we're waiting for the hub cities. 
it, it's so swingy with this. I mean, obviously a week ago it looked like Vancouver was a clinch. That changed. Uh, I think you did a good jo- job summarizing Edmonton's chances. You know, I think through all this, it, it's important to point out that you know, a lot of people with OEG and certainly the province and the city as well, they put a lot of effort into this. I mean, an unexpected situation to be in and trying to uh, adapt and make the best of it by, by bringing some hockey to, uh, to Edmonton. So, you know, I know and I, I, there's no way I could possibly name everybody. I wouldn't even know everybody involved, but, you know, Bob Nicholson and Tim Shipton and guys like that taking the lead with this. They, they've been pouring a lot of, a lot of sweat, a lot of effort into this. I'm sure it's been a, you know, a learning process for them uh, along the way. So good job that they've they've kept that Edmonton and Rogers place in it. I, I don't know which way it's going to go, but, you know, I think all that hard work here, because there's a lot going on behind the scenes that, you know, we probably can't even really imagine this kind of the stuff they've had to, they've had to learn about and some of the adjustments they've had to make as they've been working through this. Yeah, Stu Ballantyne's another guy from the Oilers Entertainment Group, along with uh, Tim and Bob, who you mentioned, that's done a lot of work on it. I mean, we've had this discussion, Reed. It's my belief that it's incumbent upon true leaders in organizations to be relentless uh, to find ways to uh, to fix some of the challenges uh, with pandemics instead of just throwing their hands up in the air and saying we're screwed and we quit right so uh you know i i it, it certainly looks like you know just in terms of communication with a couple of players say four uh let's go a few players from other teams around the league it looks like vegas is um in a real strong position i think edmonton's in the three hole behind toronto so you know it could be vegas and toronto there's lots of obvious benefits to it being in toronto from a Sportsnet perspective, NHL Hockey and Rogers, as well as TSN, as well as, you know, league offices, not just being in New York City, but in Toronto as well. So you can make a strong argument. But nobody, Reed, can make a better argument, at least at this stage, in relation to testing, because Alberta has tested a ton, again, 100,000 uh, tests per million mm-hmm. in in Alberta. Uh, and uh, so Alberta has uh, tested a lot. Uh, and, and the rates. So in terms of the safety argument, uh, that is one of the five communities, five NHL teams that are left theoretically in this discussion. Edmonton's uh, in the best position of those five. Yeah, and, and I think that's why for a lot of people, you know, I've heard some of the texts you've read and, and some of the feedback I got last week where it's like, why is it just not two Canadian cities? Because even some of the Canadian areas that have some challenges, Aren't, aren't having the challenges that a lot of American cities are, are having. And I think, you know, look, Bob, neither you or I are, are scientists or doctors or study viruses, what? but I, I've tried. Well, not yet. We're getting there. Maybe you're, you're an honorary doctor, I guess. But, but it, just, it seems to be we're, we're at that, you know, all the models when this started happening in March, it, every model had that hump and then sort of a long tail. So, you know, it's not going to go down to zero for a while. We'd love it to, to be zero, but I think hopefully we're sort of in the, the beginning of that long tail where there still will be cases, but it's going to stay kind of low and kind of flat for a while. And, and so that's why you, you see all these graphs in the United States where it's like a second mountain, right, or a second hump on a camel going up again. And, and I've heard a lot of feedback from fans saying, well, if, if they're going to do it, uh, why can't it just be two Canadian cities because they appear to be the safest? You know, but I, I get Vegas. Maybe they can have just a huge bubble at one hotel and, and maybe some amenities in hotels that other cities in North America wouldn't have because Vegas is such a, a destination. But it, it seems to me if it was just about numbers, it would be, 
you know, certainly two, two Canadian cities. I mean, obviously here in Edmonton, we want, we want Edmonton, but it, it's, it's just so much under control in Canada than it is in most of the United States. Reed, just switching focus, what did you think of the lottery the other night? <laughs> okay, Bob. First of all, the lottery for me has become, you're going you're to laugh at me, as you often do anyway, I get nervous watching the draft lottery. And the orders weren't even in this one. Like it why, just becomes. Why would you get nervous watching? I, well, nervous in a way that it's just become very suspenseful television for me. Just the way they present it, and the way their 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 dailies always flipping up the things. And maybe for me, it's often during my show, so I'm sitting there, you know, adapting and and letting people know live if they're listening on the radio. So I, I just sort of enjoy the process of the draft lottery. I was all for when they went to three teams instead of one. I, I, I'd even, I, I'd even consider expanding it to five or just drawing for all the positions. Like if you're going to go for it, just go all in. But but the the three is fine. I do think that that was probably the NHL's uh, least wanted outcome. Okay. Getting the un, getting the undiscovered the undiscovered team. I'm going to jump in one. Here. I'm yeah, gonna go jump. ahead. I talked to a couple guys out east yesterday that are, and they're like, Bob, this couldn't have worked out any better for the league if we get up and playing that round of 24. The, because obviously the eight winners advance, but you know, the amount of interest you're going to have as a result of what will transpire for the eight losers as well, they're going to be able to retain interest, um, on that front. So there's a different perspective. My initial gut reaction read was like yours. And you know what? Uh-huh. I, I just think it's wrong. I think the seven teams that were out, those should have been the only, like, I feel bad for Detroit. Okay. Like to to go from one to four in a year in which they, I mean, people people should realize this. The Edmonton Oilers ended up getting four number one picks. Uh, they won the lottery in two of those years. They held the position in two of those years. Um, I think they won three lotteries, didn't they? Bob? Te- technically, they won three because the, the but the Nugent Hopkins one, they just held the, the position. Larson they won, won that one. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. The Hall one, they technically won, but they held their position at number one. And back then, for the previous five years, the number one overall pick, uh, the 30th place team retained the number one pick. Where I'm going with this is I, I personally have the belief that only the seven teams that were out should have had a chance to end up with the number one overall pick. Um, I, I really feel bad for, you know, Detroit and frankly, Ottawa, not so much LA, but Detroit and Ottawa in particular. Well, but here's the thing. I see. I would have, if it were me, I understand what you're saying. And that's probably a better option than what they did. But if you're going to include qualifying round losers, why not do the lottery on an off day between the qualifying round and the start of the playoffs when you actually know who the teams are, right? Okay, here are the eight teams that are lost, that that lost in the qualifying round. They're going to get the subsequent odds for spots 8 through 15, and we'll actually have a team name in the lottery instead of a placeholder team. Like I would have been more on board with that than just having the seven like you mentioned. But I do agree that this just the seven is better than what they did and, and having unknown teams in, in those spots. But but again, this this goes back to the whole debate is, is should there even be this many teams in the tournament? And, and I've always argued probably not that 10 from each conference would have been more appropriate. And then the Montreal and Chicago's of the world are in this lottery anyway. Yeah. All right. Hey, Reed, switch and focus. Do you know what you were doing uh, today for about nine straight hours? Four years ago. So I I do remember that day, and I heard you talking about it. So I was trying to uh, remember where I was, where the the trade was announced for sure. 
and I was driving to work listening to you. And then I don't think I went to work because then there was a news conference. So then I doubled back and went to uh, to Rexall Place uh, for the Peter Shirley news conference about the trade. And then I came into the station. And yeah, you went from noon to 4.30 and I went from 4.30 to 9 on, on the Larson yeah. for Hall deal. I remember doing a hit. I can't remember if Rob Brown came on that night or the next day. And I thought he said it very well. He said, the Oilers will never win this trade statistically but if the team as a whole improves then maybe you can look back on it positively and what happened in year one of the trade i mean adam larson was a really good defender the oilers rocketed up from what 29th to 8th in the overall standings and went to game seven of the second round and not a lot of people were complaining about the deal and then first year in the first right in in the first year And, and then you know unfortunately larson has been i think up and down as a player since then and, and you throw in the tragedy of losing his his, his father which obviously uh, affected him and then hall wins the mvp which makes it even even seem it seem even worse though oddly enough hall has been traded since then so it's you know it's tough it's i just i the the reason i always sort of don't hammer on the trade too much is that i i, I don't want to seem like i'm hammering on adam larson right like i, I don't want to put it on this player because i think for the most part the player has either done what he's been asked to do or played pretty hard to try to do what he's been asked to do you always referenced the, was it a couple of years ago bob when they started enforcing sort of stick interference a little bit more yeah. I, I think that that hurt him at the start of that uh, that one year and then that was the year his dad passed away too so it, but I, again going into that off season bob i think you and i often talked on and off air that one of those three guys hall nugent hopkins and everly was probably going to be traded that summer well i, so I, remember, that, I remember i joined you from the combine uh and we were and it, so it would have been you know like last week of may first week of june it was Paul arvey's draft year and i i remember doing a hit and i said i'm like 80% sure one of the three $6 million forwards is going. And it was just going to be a matter of which one, and it was most likely going to be Nugent Hopkins or Taylor Hall. Here's here's my thing with Hall. What I didn't like after was some of the disparaging comments that was sort of ranged out there. Like the guy was a pretty good player. I think he's a better guy than people real. Like some people seem to suggest that he's not a great guy. I do think that this was not a solely Pete Chiarelli move, that there were some other influences that, uh, you know what, maybe we could use a little bit different. And, and, and you hit on something there. The Oilers tried to build a bigger, heavier team. They thought they were too soft to play against for a while. You know, they made, they, they got Larson back. They saved some money. They applied that money to Milan Lucic and for a year it worked. And then the league kind of moved a different way. And then Hall took his game to another level in New Jersey. But I didn't like some of the uh, character assassination that took place of Taylor. That, that bothered me a bit because we have people that are chirping about that stuff that got no blank and clue at all. And, you know, some guy gets blown off at a, you know, if, if you're in a, like, you know, when John Sexsmith and myself used to run back in the day and we go to Barry T's, we stayed like six tables away from the players because that's how you conducted yourself. You left those guys alone. And I just, I'd, I'd get these texts from people and I'd be like, oh, come on, man, really? And you know what? Uh, 
I just I just think some and and in Larson's case, he's a terrific guy and his teammates really like him. And I'm with you. He just started around in a form, so it's an it's an interesting date in Oilers history. Uh, just because of how dynamic Hall could be five on five. The fact that he's moved again, you know, people say, well, it's a sign that he's not a great team player. No, it's a sign that he wasn't going to sign a deal with New Jersey. That's why. Now, here's a read. Had we gone to an $88 million cap, Mm -hmm. would you have considered if, because we're not going to, but so it's a moot point now, but had we gone to an $88 million cap, would you have signed him? Would you have brought Hall back if you could have? Well, sure. If you could fit him in, but, then are you who are you possibly moving out if you have to make like I realize you're saying in, the in cap an eighty-eight million dollar cap world, not in an eighty-one five. I'm just right. Saying. Okay, so you're saying Hall signs for Leon range money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'd have to because I mean, why not? Why not put the best players possible on your team? And I, and then the Oilers roster wise, but they're still. Look, they're certainly better than they have been in a couple of years, and they're certainly deeper. You and I have talked a lot about the difference Yamamoto made in the top six. They're still kind of one player short in the top six, right? I mean, last year it was Nugent Hopkins sort of getting, well, who's left over to play forward with him? And then once the Nugent Hopkins dry settle Yamamoto line was put together, it's been McDavid sort of getting, well, who's playing well enough to go up there. Now, there are better players up there because Cassian's had a pretty good year. Neil can score. I, I like most of what Ennis did uh, ever since he came in. But I still, they're still missing a, like a top six lock, right, where there's a player who you're saying he's, he's on one of the top two lines no matter what. McDavid is still kind of getting some of the guys. Well, tonight he's on McDavid's line, but... If it's a bad game, he might be back down to the fourth next game. So Hall clearly rounds out the roster that way if he ever came back. Reed, who do you have tonight on Inside Sports? Well, we're going to go to Vegas to talk to uh, to Brian Blessing, and uh, we'll talk more about the Hub City situation. And kind of as we've been going through this, Bob, as you know, we, we're checking in with other leagues and how they're affected by everything that's going on. And we'll talk about the AJHL tonight with their commissioner, Brian Bartoshik. All right, thanks a lot, Reed. That's Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. It's 151. This text comes in from Slick. He says, Bob, quit trying to cover Peter's blank. He made rotten trades, and that's all there is to it. How many teams have rushed to hire him as of late? Slick, uh, what I, I, I said it earlier in the show. I believe that there was more shared opinion on moving Taylor Hall than there was on the Strom trade for Spooner and on the Kajula trade for Manning. I believe Peter acted far more with his own views in mind on those latter two trades than the Hall trade. And as for Shirelli getting hired, I do think he's going to resurface. I'm serious. You can laugh at me if you want, but uh, I believe that Gary Bettman's got a lot of time. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. 
No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For Pete Shirelli, and I think Peter's going to get another crack at it. 152 in Edmonton will step out for two minutes. This is Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Oilers Now. It is 154 in Edmonton. The best pizza in the city, still making a great royal pizza. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years, and now Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation, the Mediterranean chicken. All right, well, Brendan Escott, we know a couple of significant uh, events on this date in Oilers history. Yeah, back in 2016, as we've talked about, Oilers GM Peter Shirelli ships 2010's first overall pick, Taylor Hall, to the New Jersey Devils in exchange for right-shot D-man Adam Larson. The then 24-year-old Hall registered 328 points and 381 games for the Oilers across six seasons. Uh, Larson united at that time with fellow Swede Oscar Kleffbaum and world junior teammate Anton Lander. And on the state in 2017, Dave Smako passed away. Dave was uh, considered by his teammates to be a great teammate. He was an intimidating presence on the ice, a gentle giant off it. He played a huge part in the Oilers' 1984 Stanley Cup run on a line with Wayne Gretzky and Yari Curry. Reed Wilkins has inside sports tonight from 6 to 8. We'll have Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta. A couple other guests on tomorrow's show. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoons with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.